Welcome to episode 150 of The Magical, The Fantastical Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. Did you just ad-lib that or what? I did, yeah. What do you think? This this is our 150th episode. We've got to do something special. I know. I feel kind of uh, feel guilty we didn't uh, put anything together. I, I just forgot about it. <laughs> Someone who has celebrated episode 150 with us is Matt Swanson, who is the grand patron of this show. Matt has donated $150. That's $1 for every show that we've ever done. Wow. No, uh, what's, what's the name again? I, Matt Swanson. Matt Swanson. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. Well, thank you, Matt. That's incredibly generous. We haven't gotten a donation in a while, so uh, he's going to count for our entire, like, uh, was it third quarter? <laughs> okay, let me read his message. He says, Hey, Justin and Jason, to celebrate your 150th show, here's a $150 donation. Hope you can put it to good use. Maybe finally get that website redesigned. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> now that you have some designer connections. If you'd like to post a link to my blog, that would be cool. Swanson.github.com. You know what we should use the money for? What? We need to get some professional photos taken of us together. For That's the, true. Because yeah. it looks terrible, I think. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, a, well your picture is is weird because you're like leaning into the camera and you know, there's weird lighting coming to the, the right side of your face and uh mine is this kind of fuzzy the lights messed up i mean i don't know it's it's pretty lame so i think uh i think that might be a good use of that of that money in fact i met a photographer who um who does this sort of thing um he's uh, he does a lot of photography for the junior league, which my wife is involved in. And we were at some event and a dinner and he was sitting at the table next to me and I was asking him about it. And it, it turns out it's not that expensive. So um, this might not cover the whole thing, but it would cover a chunk of it. All right. Well, um, my favorite part of his message is he, f- he finishes by saying, here's to another 150. Wow. Is that a commitment or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we're talking about um, the commitment of podcasts. I don't know whether you know, but um, you know, bit, bit banter podcast. Um, right, mm-hmm. you know that podcast. Um, I, I just got I just got uh, an email from uh, Rob who who hosts that podcast that they've decided to finish after thirty three episodes because they decided to focus on doing their own stuff. And uh, yeah, I you know thirty three episodes. Uh, it's hard to keep a podcast going, right? Well, yeah, thirty three is a good is a good run. I mean, you see a lot of these uh, podcasts run run out of steam or like episode seven. Yeah. Yeah. or something and the reason is is that it takes a lot more effort than say just writing a blog right i mean you actually have to do preparation you have to do post-production um it's just, it's a lot harder and the other thing is that it's hard to build up an audience for it yeah very difficult it's fun, like I, I don't understand why why ours just peaked out at a thousand in that way that's that's kind of weird well i don't know i i i, I yeah it is a good question why i mean we occasionally within the last month we've had a couple that have gone around 12 or 1300 but yeah a thousand is sort of like the you know the one week benchmark yeah right about a week right a thousand is that right mm-hmm. 
Yeah, SoundCloud has been down a little bit recently. So I've, a couple of times I've tried to log in to check our stats. It didn't, it didn't even come up. So I don't know. But um, see, the thing is, like, if you have, if you write a good blog post or whatever, it's easy for that to spread because people can just send the link and people can look at it and read it, add it to their RSS reader or whatever. But for a podcast, a lot of times people just aren't in the habit of listening. So you, you, you would literally have to change the daily habits of people to get them to start listening to a podcast. But I mean, there are, if you think about um, Twit, right, you know, they have 500,000 in theory listeners. So there's 500,000 people who are into tech who we could potentially reach, but I guess maybe they're just not into startup. Maybe there's just not enough cross. Well, where know. did you get that number? 500,000. I, I remember I've heard it a couple of times being quoted by Leo. Uh, that sounds high, but I, I wonder if that's, if that's just Twit or all, the, all, all their shows together. I think it's just Twit, yeah. I think it's just well, Twit. first of all, I mean, they talk about uh, you know just tech in general, right? Consumer, consumer tech. Yeah, yeah. A lot more people that are interested in consumer tech than are interested in uh, writing code and building startups, I think. Mm. So, I don't know. But yeah, it's hard. <laughs> well, at least 33, I'd say that was a good run, you know? And, and you know, they, they could say that they, uh, you know, they gave it an effort and, and they did it. And, uh, you know, just because you do something for a while doesn't mean you have to do it forever, right? Right. So... However, we will be doing texting forever, so no need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we have yeah. no plans of closing down the show. Um, we just uh, we we're just skimping out on the interview stuff for the moment, so we'll just be doing the uh, discussion shows. Well, you know, I see. I don't have a problem with doing the interview shows. It's just that we've been so busy lately that um, I guess I've been cutting around the corners without inadvertently. Yeah, not, 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 it wasn't like I'm going, it wasn't that I thought to myself, okay, I don't have time to do every shows, therefore I'm not going to schedule anything. It's more like we had a discussion where I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll try and, I'll try and schedule some stuff, but I'm not going to push too hard because I have a lot to do. And as a result, not a whole lot's happened. So right. that's the problem. I would like to do some more, but it does take a big chunk of time because we record these, we record the discussion shows on the weekend, which is, it's a little easier to carve out an hour and a half sometime on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. It's mm. harder in middle of the week when we do the interview shows to carve out an hour and a half in the middle of a Tuesday or Thursday, for instance. I mean, that's, that's, that's prime work time. Mm. And the other thing is, is our schedule, and I think this is the kind of final thing, we'll close with this, but our schedule isn't like clockwork in the same way as it used to be. And I don't think it's going to be like clockwork. Like we're going to come out on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and that's just going to keep on happening because we're just so overloaded with the work that we're doing <laughs> and it's just a question of finding the time to get the show you know to record the show and get the show cut so just hoping that you guys can bear with us um on that because i know i've got a couple of tweets about that so oh that we got off schedule yeah we've kind of we sort of our schedule isn't isn't as tight as it used to be but it's just i think that hurt schedule. us actually i think that was one of the reasons for it i, I think people when they when they have something that they expect and it becomes kind of part of a routine for them um it's easier for them to stick with it too. But then when you start, you know, we miss a week or then we come out two, three days later and people don't really know when to expect it. They just start forgetting about it. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe we get a little more regular. Maybe that'll help us. We can try. Yeah. I'll, I'll certainly try and push it out on, on Mondays. Okay. So, um, during the, during this last week, um, regarding any food, just moving into some any food stuff. Um, I had a good old look at the PayPal adaptive payments API try to see if it could do what we wanted because what we really want to do is to be able to capture a payment and then split the payment between us and the uh, expert on any food for a couple of reasons um 
one because of the legal aspects right because it's it's just legally the money's then legally between them and the person paying and also uh because hopefully we'll be charged less we won't be charged double on the on the percentage by paypal which like yeah paypal charges about three percent per transaction so Mm -hmm. yeah that's if we're charging ten percent uh sort of a surcharge on any foo then if we have to pay another three percent that's thirty percent of our gross revenue gone Mm. so it's a big deal yeah um so the thing about the thing about the the paypal adaptive payment stuff ultimately i think this is the only way that we can do it but it's still a bit of an irritating user journey okay why don't you describe it um okay so they have they have a few different components like one of the things is you can you can in the same way as you can like create an app for twitter you can create an app for paypal and once you create an app for paypal you can get permissions for that app so people can basically say i give this app permission to take money from my account when it whenever it wants and uh, you know they can limit that or whatever um so that's kind of the first part of it to make this thing happen is we'll need to have an app and we'll need to set people so that they can get permissions for the app but that journey flow at the very minimum requires a paypal pop-up so okay. do you know what i'm saying so it, and we can't brand that pop-up right so that's kind of going to be one sort of thing that's slightly annoying but then the other thing is is that if if someone it, this whole thing of like um adaptive payments where you send payment to two places it only works if both people have a paypal account so if someone is is coming to any food for the first time and they need to sign up by putting in their credit card details, they absolutely have to create a PayPal account. So we can create that PayPal account via the API because the Adaptive pay, uh, the adaptive Accounts API allows you to do that, but we still need to pass them over to PayPal to set up their password. Right. Right. That's not great. It's not great, but it's better than any of the other alternatives, which I just don't see that it's possible any other way. <laughs> So you, you, you investigated what Google checkout, Amazon payments and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I did. I, look, I looked at Amazon. I, look, I mean, with Amazon, it's the same deal, right? Everyone, everyone involved needs to have an Amazon account. Okay. And then Stripe, you talk to Stripe and they don't, they yeah, don't do it. I spoke to Stripe. So, so they don't do split payments, but they just do basically regular payments. I mean, Stripe.com make it really easy to take a payment. It's, it's just super easy. You just give them a credit card number and, um, and dates and stuff. And then you can just capture the money. You don't need any kind of merchant account. That's great. I mean, maybe, but the one issue is, let's say we were going to use someone like Stripe, right? We could capture, you know, all the payments, but then how would we pay the people? Right. I mean, we'd ultimately, you'd have to pay, you'd have to make a payment to the, uh, to their PayPal account or something anyway. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, how would we do that? So, so we'd either do that through a PayPal account or we'd have to create a check processing system. Right. So PayPal is what you want anyway, because that's the easiest way to get people the money. I mean, when, on things like Odesk and, I don't know, Elance, which you've used um, at different times, I mean, how, how do you get money in and out of it as a, as a uh, well, from both sides? Checks. You can withdraw it to your credit card. I think, actually, that's a good point. I think you can withdraw it directly to your credit card. Really? I think so. And, and what kind of commissions do, are you charged? Well, um... I can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know this, for example, the Stripe website, um, they charge the, the standard 2.9% and then 30%, 30 cents for every transaction. Okay. So, hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
I guess at this point, it's just a matter of just getting something up and going, and then yeah. we can um, we can streamline it, you know, later on, or maybe PayPal or or one of these other services will right. We'll, we'll come up with something that's better. I mean, think about it this way, right? If you split it up into two two different kind of sections, like let's say someone wants to start working with a vendor from Anyfu. The first okay. thing they've got to do is they've basically got to sign up to Anyfu. And part of the Anyfu sign-up process is passing them to PayPal and getting them to give permissions to the, pay, to the Anyfu app. So that's sort of like a, a separate concept to them adding their credit card details. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought, I thought the whole permission thing was from the, uh, the client, the person paying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the person paying to even... What we, what we could do for the person paying is say, look, if, if you want to become an any, a client on Anyfoo, you've got to create an Anyfoo account. Okay. And part of that process is to like verify your details by giving us a $1.99 payment. Okay. So that kind of feels like, okay, that's my process to just sign up. And from that point forward, we'll have all of the, agree- the agreements set up. So for them to make any payments, it's just going to be a click of a button. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe that's not so bad. You know, it kind of reminds me of, um, I was talking uh, last night with uh, Curtis. Curtis is the director of engineering for Uber. Yeah. And as uh, I've, I've mentioned a number of times on the show, I, uh, I do a lot of consulting work for Uber. And, I, I, you know, I've never, I had never actually seen the Uber app. <laughs> right? So for anybody who doesn't know what Uber is, Uber allows you to, it, it's, a, it's like a, you, you can use your, your smartphone, your iPhone or Android to order a limo on demand in, I guess it's like five or six different cities, like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Seattle, a couple others. And you can see the, the, the limos and you can just click a button and then it'll, and it'll say, okay, the limos can pick you up in you know, three minutes and then they show up and then they just take you somewhere and you don't pay a tip and it's just charged your credit card. And it's like somewhere between one and a half to two times as expensive as a taxi. So in a lot of cases, that's a really cool thing. Anyway, so I'd actually never even seen an app. I built the entire dispatching system and their entire God view, which is like the, I should say, let me backtrack. I built the initial version of the dispatching system, and then uh, Curtis and I worked on, have been working on it together since. And I built the GodView, which is like the air traffic control system. Mm-hmm. But I'd never seen the uh, I'd never seen the app. Right? right. And I was telling a friend of mine about it, and uh, I said, "Yeah, you should check it out." And he's like, "Oh, I were, you know, he was really excited." And he looked at it, and he's like, "But he couldn't he couldn't actually use the app until he entered his credit card information. Like that's the first thing it asks you for." Yeah. And he thought that was a little weird. And I, and I thought, you know, since I had never seen it, I was like, oh, that is kind of weird. And I, you know, and I asked Curtis about it. And he said, well, we, we kind of want to do it that way. So just get your credit card information in. And then from then on, then on it's going to be an awesome experience. Yeah, exactly. And, get, that, get the pain out of the way in the beginning. But I just wonder, I, you know, I wonder if that's the right way. I mean, I think that's probably something that, that Uber should test. And it might be something we end up having to test. Is it better to do the equivalent of like encoding we call lazy instantiation. Like you don't instantiate an object until you make a call. Like say there's some, some object is uh, encapsulated another object and you could just, in, in, just instantiate it in the constructor of the enclosing object or the encapsulating object. Yeah. But a lot of times you'll just say when someone makes a call that makes, makes use of it, you say, if you know, it's not null, if it's null, then let's just create it. And now, so it's lazy. It's a good metaphor. And I mean, you could think of it like lazy loading if um, you could allow them to sign up for free with any food, but then at the point where they kind of clicked contact or something like that. Although I still think that ideally the best point to, to get that first $1.99 and create that connection is during their original sign up. I really do think that because it's Why? like, 
Well, because it's like, that's the point where they've kind of heard how cool Anyfoo is. They've got the will to, to be part of Anyfoo, to be part of the system, right? And so they're going to, they, they can sign up and just, it's not really any money. It's not really very much hassle for them to then get into the system. I wonder if you could even limit this, limit some of the searching and, you know. Well, actually, sure. here's the thing. You're actually right. Now that I think about it. Okay. So if you go on Anyfoo and for, why don't you give the two cents description for anyone who's new to the show and doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> okay. So Anyfoo is an idea that we have um, to build a website for just-in-time expertise where you can go to anyfoo.com and you can find technical experts and uh, schedule them to work with you um, within the next few days. Using like screen sharing. Like it's sort yeah. of like, it's not like, hey, here's a project, work on it for a month for me, and I'm going to pay you $10 an hour, you know, or else the 99 cent store kind of stuff that Elance mm-hmm. and Odesk, you know, are. But uh, it's the kind of thing where people who are verified experts, people who you've heard of, you know, people who speak at conferences and written the books, um, and you could hire them on an hourly basis to do a screen share session and, and you know, and, and video chat and sort of walk you through stuff and, t- and give you advice and maybe help you, uh, I don't know, analyze your, your, um, your technical, technical approach to something, whatever. Anyway, we'll, we'll so I think just there, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, so let's go on. What, what was, what were we, what were we <laughs> I, I was, that's what I was just, uh, I was hoping you weren't going to lose your train of thought. So you, you were saying that, yeah, actually you think that I was right. You think it's a good idea to try and capture their payment details up front. Right. Because, what you don't want is people to be able to send a request to an expert to schedule a session without having first been set up an account and verified. Yeah, exactly. Their payment, interesting, right? I mean, because you. So let's say that because if I don't have to, I don't have to go and, and verify and set up the credit card. Then I could just be anyone, and I could just set these random messages that are just a complete waste of time and irritate these experts because these people are experts, right? They're you know, generally yeah other stuff to do, and they they're only going to want to be um, contacted about a session if it's somebody who's legitimate who's going to you know be able to pay for the time right that also helps deal with the kind of the job poaching aspect of this like so the recruitment guys who are coming along so we'll, we'll have much more accountability to recruitment guys who try and use any food to get in contact with people to recruit them right right uh, that, that might be the case too okay yeah so I, I i think that's right so hopefully that won't be too much of a of a of a user journey hiccup i i i think the um I, you know i don't think i think this is obvious but the user experience is is really important we want this thing to be as smooth and as slick as possible okay so i also uh, tested out some of that adaptive payment stuff and um they give you a great suite that you can download from paypal and just it just gives you all the libraries in a kind of test suite where you can enter uh, values into a form and you can plug it directly into your PayPal sandbox account and test it all out. So from a code point of view, it's it's going to work. It's going to be good. So I'm not too worried about it. So I'm interested to know what did you get done on Anyfoo this week? <laughs> you, you put me on the spot, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> not unfortunately, I have to the, uh, admit that I didn't get a lot done this week, and uh, the reason is that um, I was just uh, just swamped with uh, consulting work, and I had Curtis here uh, was in town all week working on Uber with right. me, so he's sitting right next to me all week. Okay, <laughs> so, so it's, it's, not, like, it's not like so you can like, do any food when he's sitting there. Uh, you know, just pretend that I'm working on Uber and then I'm just going to work on any food for a couple hours. You know? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we're, we, we're doing a lot of uh, hardcore stuff on the dispatching system and uh, I just really couldn't um, do anything else. But see, I have two big clients. I have Uber and I have Serio. And so any additional, so whenever Curtis wasn't here, I had to do Serio. Right. right? 
So, um, and that, you know, there was some time when, when he would show up, he didn't necessarily show up at eight 30 in the morning or leave at six or something. So there was some time here and there in the day, but I had to do Serio, um, any of the times that he wasn't here, um, got to pay the bills. I got to keep the clients, the clients they're working with. You got to, yeah. you got to work with them. And no, uh, I, I totally understand. I, so, so what about, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Can you get some, get moving on it next week? Yeah, I think this week will be a, um, a good week. I mean, I did a lot of good consulting work this week. And, um, so I feel, I'm feeling pretty good where I'm at with my clients. I think, um, you know, you, you, sometimes you get behind and you're distressed because you have, you feel like you should be a lot further along, but I, I'm one of those points where I'm like, okay, I think everybody's happy. I've been in communication. I've been delivering what, you know, what's needed to, what's needed. And so I think I can start carving out some time and, uh, especially in the evenings to, to, to knock out any folks. So I'm dying. I mean, it's frustrating. You know, I was actually thinking about this today is that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I feel extremely lucky because my consulting contracts are awesome. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, I get the Uber is working, is this cutting edge, no JS stuff. It's just, the company's exploding in growth, so it's, that's exciting. I get to work with somebody like Curtis, who's just you know one of these really nice people that you know, you know you're lucky if you get to work with him, and he's also extremely good engineer. And then I have the same thing with Serio. You know, I mean they're they're working on like it's cutting edge, real time, you know, high throughput messaging systems, and I'm building this cool HTML five you know WYSIWYG drag drop controlling the system type of uh, thing. And I mean. You know, that, that's so you started the conversation. You said, I'm really frustrated. And then you said, but I've got these amazing customers. What? Yeah. What? So I'm frustrated because I want to work on any foo and Epic night more, <laughs> right. you know, and, and so it's frustrating. There's not more time in the day, but I'm lucky that the stuff that I have to work on is actually really cool. Right. Yeah. And I get to work with are really nice. So Ben, who's the, the main you know, he's like the equivalent of Curtis. He's like the equivalent of the director of, of the tech over at this, uh, at Serio. I mean, he's a top notch developer himself. So it's fun working with him, right? He's really cool. He knows, you know, knows what he's talking about and it's, it's easy to work with. So I'm, so it's, it's just like, I'm kind of lucky that my, that that's my problem, right? <laughs> that I sit in my home office or my, the bat cave here working on cool stuff all day. And it's, I just, I wish I had more time of the day. So the thing I was thinking that day is like, I just wish that the world would stop. Everybody would freeze for three months, except for me. <laughs> I just work like for, you know, cause you never get that feeling on the weekends where you just like, like, this is my time to catch up. Like I, I, if I do nothing, it's fine. But if I could get six or eight or 10 hours over the weekend, I mean, that's me. I can just pick up ground. Right. Like everybody's sleeping and I'm working. I need three months of that I need three months. Everybody just agree to just freeze to stop. Stop what you're doing. Nobody <laughs> do anything. And Dude, I'm gonna, that I, happened in a, in a twilight zone. I remember that twilight zone. I need that. I need yeah. that to happen. Everybody just stop. The world needs to stop. So. All right. So, uh, well, talking about um, contracts, so I've I've been a bit uh, thin on the ground with work. So I've been uh, posting to my Twitter feed to try and get a job and and asking you and asking all friends. And I put a post on Startup Guild, and I got a really interesting response from Startup Guild, um, uh, a, a company uh, called Company52.com. Uh-huh. I got a guy called Michael Poitras. Um, contacted me and basically said that he had been a, a big fan of texting and um, that they had a company that's somewhat like 37 signals, like it's a small distributed agency and that they, they have work at the moment and they'd be really interested to work with me. 
So that's kind of cool. Um, that's great news. Yeah, that's good news. So um, we're we're sort of still in still in discussion and, and setting up the contract and stuff. But hopefully, I'll be doing maybe four hours a day until Christmas with those guys. But uh, also, the, the the cool thing about them is they are kind of like an interesting company. They're, they're this company that's completely distributed. Um, I don't know the the exact structure of the company, how many people there are there, but they've got a couple of products out there that they've built. Um, Pianoscheduler.com another one called rainmakerapp.com uh, rainmaker apps like a, a twitter thing to help um agencies uh what are they like uh, oh, why can't i think of the word um uh pro bono agencies build twitter right. campaigns right so charity agencies and then piano scheduler well that's it's pretty is what it's <laughs> pretty much what it says it's like uh for for piano teachers i think to schedule their lessons Right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. And, um, you know, talking to them as well, I also kind of just brainstormed, because, you know, I love to brainstorm different stuff. I, I kind of brainstormed with them the idea about them being, maybe coming in on Plugio in some way, maybe sweat, you know, investing sweat equity or something. Because I do kind of think that, that if Plugio had a decent team and could build out the features and support Google Plus and support Facebook, you know, and I'm talking about fully support it, get redesigned and just all the stuff that it needs, I think it could seriously um, start making some money and take on Bootsuite, you know? Right. Tweet deck. So that's another little thing that I'm talking to them about. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, it's good that you're getting, uh, you know, that you might have a good client. I mean, it's it's such a big deal if you can get like a, a solid client, someone who you you know you're going to get a lot of work from and they're easy to work with. I mean, that's a big deal. But, you know, the one thing, that we, we, we talked about this trade-off, which is that if you have too many clients, if you're trying to juggle too many clients, it's very stressful and it's hard to do a great job because you, you just don't have time. If you have a, a, a lot of clients, it's just, there's just a lot of context switching, which is stressful and, uh, or it's frustrating. The context switching is frustrating because you're not as making as much progress because there's any time that you move from one context to another, there's just sort of this, this uh, drag that you're still thinking about the project you're working on and you're having a hard time getting, kind of loading the, the, the new project into RAM, you know? Yeah. But if you only have one client, then it's almost like being an employee, but there's very little commitment there from the employer side that they can just say, hey, you know, we don't have anything for you next month or two or, or whatever, and you're kind of screwed. Right. I mean, you're all of a sudden you got nothing unless unless you've been really disciplined about putting a lot of money in the bank. Well, I like I mean, it depends on the kind of client as well. So, for example, the V the Vibo scenario is working with a startup company, whereas uh, Company 52 is basically an agency like a web development agency. So they themselves have a lot of eggs in a lot of baskets in terms of uh, work and stuff. So that may be maybe different. But I, I kind of agree with you. Like it's it's a fine balance. I like the idea of maybe having two two big clients who I do a lot of work for. So if I was working for Vivo and Company 52, that would suit me pretty pretty nicely. Yeah, I think two is the good, a, a great number. If you could have two solid clients um, th- that are okay with you putting in something like three to four hours a day, um, then you're in good shape. If they each want you, know, you to put in six to eight hours, then you can't really do it. Yeah. Um, but if you just don't have, if you only have one and you kind of, you're, you're, I don't know, it's just a frustrating situation because if, if, if they ever pull out, like, you know, you were like, hey, you know, Vivo's pulled back. Holy crap, what do I do? Right. Like, you know, it's like you're, you know, because even if you're an experienced developer, you have a lot of contacts. I mean, sometimes there's just a period that of time where um, 
it takes a while to get another contract kickstarting. You know, I mean, kickstarted, right? I mean, it's not like you can start working three days later. You have to find somebody. No, you're might, right. You're right. You know? But I mean, although my position is getting slightly safer um, because you know we're we're in this apartment that's like a thousand dollars a month, so it's a, it's a cheap apartment. And Plugio has now loaned through the three thousand um, dollar a month revenue. Uh, that's platform. fantastic. So that's kind of cool. Like Plugio, I mean. Really, really scrimping and saving with us eating nothing. Plugio kind of covers our core costs now. Which well, that's is- great. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of like recurring revenue, building an asset that generates revenue. It's like, it's like that book. I don't know if you've ever read it, have you ever heard of it, uh, The uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like that building, you know, revenue generating assets. I mean, I haven't read it in like eight years or whatever, but I remember when I read it, that was a big, big, uh, the, the major point, right? You need to build assets, not liabilities. Yeah. People think, oh, I bought a house. I have an asset. Well, actually, it's a big liability. <laughs> it's not really yeah. a house. Yeah, no, just, that's just costing, really an right? asset. Yeah. So, and the other, of course, thing is like, you know, you're, you're rich if you, if you uh, spend less than you make. Right? Yeah. So, you can, get, you can either make more money or you can just like spend less, you know? And a lot of times you find out that, you know, spending less, you're not that much less happy. Uh, ha- you're not that much less happy. Uh, happy than you were before, right? Because it turns out that, yeah, certain things are nice, but after a while, you get used to not have, spending money on those things, and it's like, but you, you're much happier not being stressed and yeah. being free. So, so how do you feel about that? How do you feel? I mean, what's your happiness level? Oh, um, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of um, happy and stressed at the same time. <laughs> I've got a lot of, a lot of uh, little things on the boil right now. I mean, a lot. Because um, we've, you know, we've got any foo plugio then and regarding plugio i've got i don't know five five and potentially 10 different little marketing things going on to just try and bring more people and more traffic to plugio just writing blog posts putting out i mean is that stress or is that just being excited and busy well it's weird it's weird like whenever whenever you release something like i i for me a little bit of yourself kind of goes into it so say for example if i release a blog post right and then yeah, see anything I release, I just put a little bit of you in it. So <laughs> okay, but tweet—I mean, tweetboard. I, I like—I I always have these over expectations of things, right? As as you well know, this is going to make a billion dollars. <laughs> I know, and because my because my over expectations are so high, I get really depressed when they don't achieve what I expect of them even though they're actually achieving something pretty amazing. <laughs> well, you know, the definition of insanity, right, is if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and, and, and expecting a different result. Yeah, it's you true. Know? It's true. So Tweetboard, I guess I'll just give, give an update on that. So I, I put that out and it got like 3,500 um, uniques day one, as we expected from Hacker News. And then it got onto some big blogs in Spain and, and um, somewhere else in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so it had like a couple of thousand people on day two, and then it kind of went down to 500 people a day. So, which is massive, right? 500 people a day is huge. Yeah, because before <laughs> you had 60. <laughs> well, it's this is this is 500 people a day coming to Tweetboard, not okay. not, not like, to plug it, right? But but still, I, I mean, I I've still had up until this point an average of 60 people coming to plug it a day. So, but I really wanted Tweetboard to go ballistically viral. I wanted it to hit like 10 million Twitter users. So that's that's kind of where I was thinking about. And I was so depressed when it went down to 500 days, so depressed. But uh, then I was like, what, what, why am I so depressed? That is like a massive amount of people. And it's actually, 
even at that amount of people, it's it's basically bringing in three to five new free signups a day, which is you know to plug you. Okay. So three to five free signups a day, which is a projection of about a thousand signups a year. And at my conversion ratio, that probably going to be about three thousand dollars per month if all you know if if all of those people were in the system. So in a year's time, three thousand dollars times so so it's thirty six thousand dollars. Exactly. So let's and just I'm round a, it down. Let's round it down and say thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, right. And, and you spent how long? How many hours did you spend? How many? How many <laughs> week? You've been a, 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 a I guess two, two two weeks, but not not full time two weeks, but two weeks. So let's maybe round six it up. Let's round it up. So we're really conservative. We're rounding down the projected revenue to thirty thousand. We're rounding up the amount of time two weeks. So um, thirty thousand dollars in two weeks. So eighty that's hours. Thirty thousand dollars in eighty that's hours. That's way, yeah. way, way, way more than you would have made consulting at a hundred dollars <laughs> an hour or even one hundred fifty bucks an hour. So yeah, it says time well spent. Yeah, it, and exactly. And it's it's so funny, you know. Like we have these expectations. I, don't, I mean, do you do you feel the same as me? I mean, does, do you ever have this experience? Yeah. Okay. Well, first thing I want to say about that is you also have an added benefit about the, uh, you know, it's not just the additional money. I mean, you have uh, additional visibility because of TweetBoard, right? right? You've right. created an asset and you, that you've created there's some additional rate name recognition, some additional reach. So there's that whole thing too. So if you, it's not like you just, you had some, let's just, just say you traded it for some amazing client who was just paying a huge uh, rate to you. you right. Because that, once that's over, that is over, right? There's yeah. no, there's or very little um, additional value they can leverage out of that other than say, oh, well, I learned something. There's a new technology I got to you know, learn. Maybe you could say that. Or I, I reinforce this relationship with, with the client who might come to something later on. But I think really when you release a product, you have all these other intangibles that you get along with it. So yeah, uh, but to answer your question, do I feel, do I get really let down when things don't take off? Well, do you, let us just say, do you, do you, do you have high expectations? And, and if your expectations aren't met, does it piss you off to the same level that it, it kind of depresses me. I think, um, I think I have let, I, I, I have, I try not to get my hopes up on things. Um, I'm more, more like, Oh, we'll see, you know, like, let's just, let's just do it and see what happens and do a good job. And I, I don't know. I, I try not to, I try not to get in the mo- emotional roller coaster because, you know, and, and we might talk a little bit more about this later, but having a background in the trading world, you know, you put it, you have the strategy that you've tested and it looks like it's going to do great. And then, you know, you open up first thing in the morning and the, and the screen just is filled with red and you're just like, holy crap, what happened? You know, or you think you're gonna make a bunch of money and it just kind of flattens out and you can't allow yourself to get on the emotional roller coaster. It's too taxing. You, you can't, you, it's just, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's just, you got to stay sort of centered and stabilized. And so you just like, if you have a big day and, and your trading system makes a ton of money, don't think, oh my God, we're going to be billionaires. I think you're just like, you know, it was a good day, you know, and guess yeah. what? We're going to have some bad days. We're going to lose some money this month. We might have some big losers. So let's just, the idea is just in the end, in the aggregate that we're positive. So just stay well, What cool. about when you put out blog posts? Like when you put out blog posts, because I, I know you say to me, you're like, Look, I'm putting this thing out. I'm putting it to Hacker News today. I want this to ring the bell, right? I mean, doesn't it get you if it doesn't? Uh, you know, I've been pretty lucky. Everything has gone to the front page, so I'm batting a thousand. So I've been pretty lucky with that. I haven't had any big disappointments where I worked hard on something and it didn't do right. at least respectably well. I mean, not every one of them rang the bell, but um, the all of them made the front page at the very least and got you know few thousand visits which is not bad um and uh but i would probably be disappointed if i spent 
four, five, six hours really working on something and it just kind of fell into the abyss. <laughs> yeah, because got- I mean, I've been, I've, we were, just before this show, we were working on, the, on a, a blog that I've been writing and I've spent about 10, 10 to 12 hours on it so far. Yeah. And I'm going to be releasing it this week and I'm going to be so depressed if it doesn't ring the bell. <laughs> Well, it doesn't ring the bell or it does. I mean, I don't think you should be depressed if it doesn't get number one. But I mean, if I think because there's just a certain amount of randomness, there could be a couple other posts that somebody that just came out just at the same time that are that are particularly interesting, extra especially interesting. Yeah, they just never know. I mean, I think if you make it to the top five, you should be really happy because it'll it's going to stick around the front page. You're going to get 10, 15, 20,000 uniques assuming it's during a weekday i'm not really sure what the numbers are but it's going to get a good solid showing and if it's high quality material then um it's going to have sort of a decent half-life so so i've decided to go with your strategy of releasing it during the week to maximize the number of visitors even yeah, though what's I- that all about you're mr <laughs> I, I release on the weekend you give me a huge spiel about that like three weeks ago well i i know because i do i do agree with you with your thinking that if it's strong there's no you know if it's a really strong piece there's no reason why it shouldn't get get to the top top five on a weekday and when it does get to the top five on a weekday you get so much more traffic than than on the weekend so i think it's sort of like choosing the the posts like is this good enough quality well there was a question on startup guild and i can't remember then the name of the guy who asked it but he was like ah you know i want to submit some hacker news and I, I want some advice on what day i should release it on and you know i'm thinking of the weekend i think you recommended the weekend and i said look it really comes down to what division do you want to play are you in the a division or the b division you know, you know, not you, but this post, right? I mean, is this thing, is this thing top notch? I mean, this have all the right elements. Is it a, is it a great concept? Is it a great title? And has a great content? If so, then submit it on a Tuesday at 10 a.m. You know, do it, go for it. If it's like good, you think it'll work, you're not sure, you know, do it on a Saturday afternoon. You know what? I mean, just hedge your bet. I mean, you, you might get a third the traffic or whatever, but, you know, if it's like you're not normally on the front page and you have an experience, I mean, it's going to feel awesome anyway, you know, and it's just really, I think you just kind of have to be honest with yourself looking at what you're submitting and just decide, okay, well, how, what's, what are its chances really? I mean, how good is this really? Hey, why do you say Tuesday at 10 a.m.? I don't know, man. I just, that's, I mean, that's, do, you th- do you think that there's any benefit in releasing it Tuesday at 10 a.m. versus Monday at 10 a.m. versus Wednesday at 10 a.m.? <laughs> I think I read some post somewhere where some guy did some analysis and I, I, I don't know how strong the analysis was, but it was something along the lines. Well, Monday, people are still kind of catching up with from being away from the weekend and they're still not really settled, but you want to do it at like 10 a.m. because that's when 10 a.m. Pacific time, because that's when people on the Pacific you know, and uh, in, in the West Coast are waking up and kind of finally checking in. You get to work and look at, you know, checking their feeds. And then it's like just after lunch from the people on the East Coast. And, but yet, you know, uh, the people in Europe still are awake. It's like, you know, I don't know, dinner time or after dinner time. Them. So there's their after dinner, maybe checking in stuff. So it's kind of a good time, I think. I mean, there are were, there were, there were arguments if there are other good times, too. But, but what, remember- what about the days? So should it, it doesn't matter whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. Probably not, but I think Friday you have less because people are checking out early on Friday, right? right. I mean, it's like four o'clock and people are out of there. They're like trying to get out of the office. They're going away for the weekend. They're doing stuff. They're, they're meeting with their friends. They're just not, you know, in the whole, I'm check reading Hacker News, you know, state of mind. So All right, well, it's really great. And you're like, because if it's really great, if it's a really great post, I mean, you and I both had, you know, one of these where it's hitting number one and it's been glued. We pin, not just to ring the bell, but you pinned it to number one. Yeah. Well, that sucker can stay up there for like almost 24 hours or at least right up there. And if, if it goes and on a Friday get 5, night. you're going to get 5,000, 500, no, it's the 50,000 uh, views from it. 
Right. Well, if you have Friday, it's not going to happen because even right. if you did it at 10 a.m., by 4 o'clock, people are checking out and there's nobody on Hacker News. At least there's a very small number compared to what there would be on, let's say, a Tuesday or Wednesday night because everybody's gone. Everybody's out. Nobody's home reading Hacker News at you know, 8, 9, 10 o'clock on a Friday night. That's just a waste. It's going to be sitting up there and nobody's watching it. So. All right. Well, you've, you've convinced me. So I'm going to ask the listener, everyone listening to this, this Tuesday, 10 a.m. PST, I'm going to release my blog post. <laughs> Maximizing revenue through magic levers and three-dimensional pricing plans. It's going to be released at 10 a.m. on the dot. That's an awesome title, man. Who came up with that? Yeah, you came up with the title. Thank you very much. You've (laughs) you've helped me edit this post. No, you've polished it very nicely, I have to say. I mean, I came up with an amazing concept, but you've made it just giving it that extra little push that little panache think, little panache yeah little panache that just takes it to an a plus <laughs> plus well actually uh ruben from BitSketch actually gave you some really good feedback i mean you actually did some major sort of structural edits because of yeah his, right that, that's true in, in actual fact it's gone that's that's why i've been like 12 hours on this because like first i wrote it then i showed it to my wife georgie who basically went through the whole thing and edited edited it and, and got it so that it wasn't all misspelled <laughs> and that it's the yeah, language your, made sense. Your grammar and spelling is crap. Well, that's what happens when you, when you don't have an education. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so then I, I mailed it to you and I mailed it to Ruben and Ruben came back with some fantastic uh, criticism. So I, like you said, I chopped it out and then we spent a session, maybe 15 minutes polishing it. You came up with a great title. So I think this thing's going to, this could, could really go. So 10 a.m. this Tuesday, please. Yeah, it's please. on. It's and on. It's Be on. there. Help help me vote this. Coming in hot. <laughs> 10 a.m. Well, so you know. Um, you, you had something on the front page of Hacker News, which was just a Google, a Google Plus post. <laughs> so what's going yeah. on there? Oh, so that's hilarious. So, okay. Um, so the whole thing started on uh, about a week ago. I, I had gotten some emails from people asking me about some advice um, in regards to algorithmic trading, which I've mentioned a little few times on the podcast that, you know, I used to do a lot of that stuff. And... I think I have on my website, you know, just talking about that's my background, you know, cause especially in terms of like consulting, right? So if I have someone wants me to build web stuff, obviously I've done a lot of web stuff. If somebody says, hey, we're a high frequency trading firm, or algorithmic trading firm, and we need help with X, Y, and Z, you know, I want people to understand that I can do that stuff. So, but as a result, I get these emails and I, I and a couple of people send me the emails they sent me. I, you know, I try and be generous and, and give them some really good advice and don't just say, hey, good luck. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you need to read. Here are five books you need to read. Or, you know, some guy emailed me about like data feeds that, that you know, he could use that are, that are really good and not reasonably priced. And so I went and I researched the ones that I remembered and sent it. And I was like, you know what? That was really kind of pretty good information. I should just post this on Google Plus for anyone who might be interested. I'd kind of like, oh, by the way, just in case anyone cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, not thinking anything of it. And, uh, but it's just like the idea of reusing content, like if there is unlocked value, so there's stuff, it's sort of unlocked value on, in your inbox or in your hard drive, there's code that you've written that people would actually like to use or, or, or could learn from, or if you have you just you have knowledge that you could share, that's like pretty much ready to go, but it's just, you've never, you're just not sharing it. Right. I've just realized mm-hmm. that there's a lot of free Values a lot of stuff that you can share with the world and um, not and you know just to be a nice guy partially it's just like hey you know it's just kind yeah. of fun to help people out but it, it it's like karma man it just comes back you know people say hey you know wow that's cool you know about this stuff or whatever so I um I I just put those up and then um so hell uh, you just the, into Google Plus you just posted posted those those things into Google Plus right yeah I did like two posts I think or one post and then a comment I can't remember exactly what I did and and so who's one of my um 
he's one of the people in my circles. I, I can't, you know, if you call him followers or whatever, but he's, you know, not a fan. How do you see who, who follows you on, on Google Plus? You just have a list of shows. Here are the people you're following are in your circles and here are the people who's... But what do you click? Current. What do you mean? You look at your profile. Uh, okay, I'm in Google+. Plus. Buttons, oh. You see there's little, little buttons there with like a little house and there's a circle, which is your profile, and there's a few circles, which are oh, like... So it's, so it's where I have Justin in circles. Click on the one, there's a little one that says a circle. Just the one, the, the little image is a circle. And okay. that will your profile. And below your picture, it'll show the people we have in your circle and the people whose circle you I see, I see. Okay, so yeah. So you've, you said you've got like 200 now. 275. But I'll get to that. I'll get to okay. that. Okay. So um, I, I just posted up there and Sohail's like, you know, basically like, wow, you seem to know a lot about this. I mean, why aren't you doing it? You seem like you would be successful in it. You know a lot. Why aren't you doing it? And so I kind of wrote an overly long response. I know that's shocking that I would do that. But, yeah. Uh, I went on and on and I wrote like eight points of why. And, uh, you know, and that was it. And then I started thinking, I said, you know, I should do the same thing with this answer. This is actually, I think, kind of interesting. It may be kind of interesting. Why don't I just clean this up and make it a, a, a sort of a proper article on my blog as opposed to just sort of hidden away to the 80 or so people who are following me on Google+. And so I did it. And it did okay. It, 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 it jumped up to number four on Hacker News. And, but it was something weird, really weird happened to it. Like it instantaneously, after your number four, dropped to 22. And I, I'm, I'm, I have a conspiracy theory that some moderator bonked it, you know, but there could also be something weird with the algorithms. And I'm not exactly sure what happened. But this is you releasing it as a blog post, right? Yeah, as a blog post. I released it as a blog post. But, and that got like 6,000 over two days, like 6,000 like uh visits and it caused it caused a huge stir over at elitetrader.com oh really <laughs> oh yeah because well i didn't really think about that because i'm writing it for like the hacker news crowd right i'm writing for the tech and the tech and startup people i really wasn't thinking about traders reading it when i wrote it but somebody pasted it in the forum one of the forums over there and elite traders where all the traders talk about it's kind of like hacker news for traders but i mean just in the sense <laughs> and they're like holy shit you you turned us down to do this other crap <laughs> Yeah, and I made I made a couple comments that were I shouldn't have made. I, they were sort of lazy. They're kind of things that you would just kind of say offhand if you and I were having dinner, and, like, and you were asking me why I quit. And I'm like, ah, you know, blah blah blah. Not right. thinking if it being if it was really a fair thing to say or whatever. And I said, I, one of the things I said, I said, yeah, you know, traders aren't really my kind of people, and. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of a thing to say. And I said, I said, you know, because if you think about it, you know, a lot of traders I met are just, it's all just about the money. And so therefore, oh, anything you do is just all about the money, kind of has no soul. And so traders, therefore, probably, that's maybe why traders aren't too self-reflective, because it's kind of a depressing thing to think about, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, so you can imagine, like, why the shitstorm that started over at Elite Trader by, due to that and so some people got kind of snarky. Actually, a lot of people were kind of interested about it. They were like wondering what strategies I traded and why I quit. And, but there were a few people who, you know, obviously took offense to that, I think. They didn't address those points directly, but you could tell I, I kind of, you know, pissed them off. Right. Um, I since went back and I, and I put a little addendum and I said, listen, that was, that was unfair. I said, you know, just because I had a bad experience with a couple of traders who I thought were that way, is it was just lazy and unfair thing to say it's not actually true that's but, that, it would, it'd be ridiculous for me to make a generalization like that so but you w- the reason why i started this conversation is because you had a google plus post itself directly from google plus yeah i'm gonna get to that on yeah. the front page of how can use okay yeah so what was really interesting about this whole this whole initial post is that um 
is, is, is so in the comments of that post on my blog, somebody said, hey, well, because one of the points I said, I said, you know, I'm not, there's part of me that's not convinced that the market is, be, is beatable, consistently beatable by algorithms. You know, there's just this sort of doubt in my mind. Is it really beatable? You know, because if it, 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 you know, and, and it's just, I don't know. I mean, you see a lot of these traders that are really, seem like they're really successful, but how many of them do it algorithmically? And, you know, is it just sort of, you know, fooled by randomness type of thing, right? Yeah. You always have that doubt, unless I guess you're one of the people who are doing it, in which case you have no doubt. So, uh, you know, but it's just like, you know, who are those people? Where are they? And of course, because of the secret of nature, you would never know. Right. Okay. Um, so this guy, one of the comments says, "Hey, listen. You know, if you have any doubt, you should check out. You should meet um, Jeffrey uh, um, Woodruff because he's a genius and his firm is consistently profitable. And he's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, "Well, who the hell is this guy?" Right. So I email and I read up this article about him, and he's like this amazing guy. He's like a five billion dollar hedge fund or, or investment firm. He 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 develops all of his models himself all his trading models. He has 29 people work for him, but only he develops the models. He just kind of locks himself in a room and works his magic. And they, it, it, just, it just crushes the market year after year. <laughs> right? So the next day I wake up and I get this email notification you know, from Google Plus say, oh, Jeffrey Wal- Woodruff is following you. I'm like, huh. Who's that? I'm like, wait. This guy. I, well, first I was like, that sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> then I ran, ran to my bedroom and I got the printout and to see if that was the same person, you know? And it just kind of, you know, it's hilarious because it was. It was the same guy, right? right. And so I ended up sending him, you know, a private message to see if I get him on the podcast, which he's he politely declined. Um, but he did say that he was he really enjoyed reading the stuff that I write about startups and about uh, um, algorithmic trading. And he wanted me to write some more about it because he'd like to read it. And also that, you know, he's also a, a regular reader of Hacker News, which hmm. I thought all that was really interesting that yeah. someone like that would read Hacker News, right? It's not just a bunch of, you know, random coders and s- startup people. Oh, no, no. So, you know, some pretty big names read Hacker News. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, it's taken over from Dig. I mean, those same big names used to read Dig, but now they don't anymore. I mean, Hacker News is where it's at. Yeah, so that was interesting. That was really, I, I just surprised me a little bit. And so it was, you, uh, nice. you still haven't gotten to the bit where you had your actual Google Plus post be linked to directly in Hacker News and get to the yeah, top of Hacker News. Yeah, so after that whole thing happened, I thought that was a crazy story, right? That this guy would follow me and that he actually emailed me back and, one, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of, that's really cool, right? And so <laughs> I, I said, yeah, so I just said like, you know, I'm trying to be a regular on Google Plus. Like I'm making a real effort on Google Plus. Like I totally did not do Twitter, right? And I right. just I haven't done. I don't. I never posted once on Facebook. I, my Facebook just sort of accepts requests from friends from high school who happen to randomly contact me. But I'm like, all right, I like Google Plus. It works for me for a variety of reasons. It just has the right combination of features. You know, it's not like 140 character like limit. It's uh, real people as opposed to what I think a lot of times are bots. It's not just a symmetric friend to friend thing. On it can be more like a follower uh, thing, so you can build up more of an audience um, like you can on Twitter. So I know I like a lot of things about it, right? And in real conversations seem to occur on it. So I said I'm going to make an effort to post stuff regularly. And so when I heard about this, when this this whole thing happened, I was like, ah, I'm just going to write a little thing about it. And it turned out to be longer that I initially intended. It, instead of being just like a paragraph, it was like, you know, four paragraphs or five paragraphs. Yeah. And when I got done, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if this is, uh, I wonder if anyone would else would care to read this, you know? And it was like Saturday night. It was last night at like seven o'clock or something. And so I was like, screw it. I'll just, 
you know, add it to Hacker News for for the for the hell, what, you know, what the hell, right? I mean, it, how do you how do you link to it? Well, there you can right click on the post and say share this, and it gets like a you know permalink or whatever link to that post. And because I saw it happen a couple of times, I've read two posts that showed up Hacker News. One was from uh, was uh, um, Tim O'Reilly, and one was a rant by um, Ryan Dahl, the creator of Node.js. Oh yeah, so link to this post. So so you there's a little arrow in the top right. You click on that. You click link to this post. It opens it up in a new window, and then it makes the whole thing look like just a good Google Doc kind of word thing. And you've got all the comments underneath it. That's very nice. Yeah. So I and I just said I was kind of an experiment. I thought you know what. It's a Saturday night. I mean, it's kind of a throwaway, right? I mean, I don't really, I already wrote it. I wrote this for Google+. Plus. I wasn't writing this for like a Hacker News event, you know? Like you've been working to see for 10 hours. I mean, you, you have a very clear purpose. You're putting in effort. This is going to be a thing. And I thought, well, just by the same token of what I'd done before, I'll just kind of reuse some content. You know, why not, mm-hmm. why not see if I can get some more juice out of it? Just add it. What the hell? I mean, let's go meta. Let's go ultra meta on this thing. And I submitted it and I got back from dinner and it was on the front page at like number three and had like 70 or 80 points. And I was like, holy crap, you know, and, That's cool. and a, a couple of people got a little irritated, like, hey, man, this is kind of meta. <laughs> you know? Like, what's this all about? Uh, you know, so a couple of people got a little irritated, which I thought was kind of funny because I, I think I made a comment right after I posted it on there. I said, this might be a little meta, but, you know, uh, whatever. Right. I mean, you know, sometimes I just throw it. I mean, what, is, what does meta mean? That you're not talking. You're, it's like it's like if we're not talking, we're talking about talking, you know, right. sort of at the next level up, and you get talking. We can then we start talking about talking about talking. You know, you kind of get this sort of recursive. So better. it's like when you. So if you're meta in your relationship, you're talking about the, the process of, of the relationship. Let's talk about our relationship, Justin. <laughs> you know, that's getting meta, and a yeah. uh, meta can get real annoying real quick, and. Um, you know, so you got to be careful about doing it. I think. I mean, it depends on the. Okay, content. okay, right. So, so you're because you're saying I'm just looking at that this thing here. So you're saying my recent post. Why? So you're talking about the post, and you're saying that did well on Hacker News, and so basically you're you're essentially chewing over the fat of the success or the unsuccess that you've had over the post that you've made. So that's why it's meta. Okay, cool. Yeah, I and, I, and I sort of brought in the luck surface area, increasing your luck surface area, because it did it. By, by posting that initial content, the initial answer to Sohail's question, it increased my luck surface area. All of a sudden, a bunch of new people started following me and, um, a bunch of, and, um, and I got emails from a bunch of people about algorithmic so trading. So this is actually recursive meta because this is itself increasing your luck surface area. It did. And then, and then Jeffrey Woodruff says, you know, adds me to a circle of like 40 people. I'm there with like Sergi Brin and Brandon <laughs> Ike and John Ressig. And I mean, it's like 40 and me. <laughs> like, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I mean, it is like a who's who of the tech badasses. <laughs> I'm like, which one of these is not like the others? You know? I was like, oh, this is awesome. First, I was like, you, know, you must have done that by mistake. <laughs> this was like an inadvertent click. Oh, I meant to add him to the trash. <laughs> yeah, like, just block this jackhole, you know? <laughs> but uh, anyway. Clout, clout hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, it, it was a total... Um, it was a total increase. It was a perfect example of the luck surface area. You just, you, you, you do stuff and then you share it and then just random stuff <laughs> comes back at you. And it's like, if you have a big collector, the bigger your collectors, the bigger your solar array is, the more sun you collect. Yeah. And so you, if you, you know, and, and, I, and I, I, I think that luck surface area is such a, a great um, meme because it has such a, a, a physical, you can just picture it. 
right? And, um, and, and understand why it works. And so I think this will kind of give that whole concept another push, right? Constantly kind of reinforcing it. And it, and, and it is being reinforced. It's being pushed around the web. And I think it's kind of a cool thing. So, I mean, that's, that's exactly my kind of main strategy towards marketing Plugio. I'm just doing lots of little things. I mean, I guess tweetboard.me is kind of a big thing, but it's still just another thing. Like, you know, I'm writing that blog post about three-dimensional plans and pricing, uh, doing the tweetboard me thing. Um, I'm adding Plugio to Google Chrome App Store, um, doing SEO stuff on Plugio. And there's, you know, there's another kind of 15 things that I'm doing. And it's just little tiny things incrementally add up. Well, I think you've, you hear that from a lot of startups. They say, was there was no big one thing. It was just lots of little things. It was lots of little good ideas, lots of little features, improvements, uh, I don't know, little marketing, clever marketing things that worked. I mean, occasionally hear about something that just got lucky. Like they'll say, well, there was just sort of one event that kind of pushed us over the top. But if you look at it from sort of a 30,000 foot view and you say, oh, actually, there were lots of, lots of things that they did along the way that made it happen. Hey, I'm curious to know what you think about me giving up uh, part of Plugio and going into partnership with other people on it. Okay. Can I answer that question? Can I just say one more thing about this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and one of the other reasons that I posted this, this, uh, this, this Google plus thing is I kind of wanted to see if I had a, if I had a Google plus article specifically itself on Hacker News and if it hit it, if it got any, any uh, time on the front page, if it would increase my follower count, because people would come directly to my account instead of coming to my blog happening to look over in the right sidebar happen to see a follow me or add me on google plus if it would increase the conversion rate and i think the answer is yes because i picked up over a hundred people in one day right and i had i had like well i had about three days ago i had 75 and now i'm up to 275 the other article gave me a bunch and oh and the other luck surface area thing i'll say about it i got contacted guy who lives like two blocks from me and he's a he's a, a computational mathematician at caltech or he's got a you know a professor at usc and and he's just down the street, and he's like, hey, I've done a lot of work with startups. I almost did the algorithmic trading thing. Sound like someone I should meet. Let's grab lunch. So I'm going to meet this guy for lunch tomorrow. I mean, that's the kind of benefits you get from getting your, put yourself out there. So I thought that was really cool. Great. Well, and that's how go, I met Pat Maddox. Go, Jason. An article. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, anybody could do it, right? I mean, it's like that's how I met Pat Maddox, who became a good friend of mine. You know, I wrote an article, the bootstrapping article kids, and he said, hey, I live down the street from you in Pasadena and all these people. So it's just, it's just like, you know, got to get out there. Awesome. So, the, so to answer your question, the yeah. question is, do I, what the, do I think the, about? The, yeah. What do you think? I mean, this, this, this thing that I've been bootstrapping uh, for two years, you know, it's, it's my baby. Um, but I have the potential to maybe scale it by um, bringing, bringing in a team for sweat equity. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a good, a good notion, a bad notion? Yes? No? I think it's probably a mistake <laughs> <laughs> um, because it makes things really complicated. Right. And um, I think you could end up just screwing things up really easily. Right now, it's just real simple. It's all you. You've got the hardest part, which is getting it up, making it profitable, and already to 3000 and profitable, you know, which is pretty good. Now it's kind of like, you know, it's going to be easier and easier. And yeah, you'd like some free labor to make X, Y, and Z happen, add some features and stuff. But I, I think that's... I think it's probably a mistake. I think you could end up, um, I think you end up screwing things up. So what I think, well, I, wasn't, Even th- I wasn't thinking of it as like, like a kind of free labor in quotes concept. I was thinking more like a company like Hootsuite, part of the reason why they can be so big is because they actually have a team. Like they're, they're a proper team of, you know, 10 people or whatever. 
and that and each person of the team can work on different things so it allows them to output an ipad app you know android app it allows them to do a much it, it allows them to create a much bigger surface area is what it does and so that's what i was kind of thinking in the back of my mind would it be possible to work with a team like this that's that's already an established team like a 37 signals kind of thing they've got fantastic designers they've got great coders maybe working with that team could increase the surface area of Plugio and therefore move it from a little uh, just just a solopreneur thing to a proper startup concept where it could then start moving into you know million dollar valuations kind of thing well you could get there anyway in another year or two you know once it gets a little more profitable and it can and you don't have to do consulting work at all and then it gets a little more profitable beyond that in which case you can hire people you know or at least contractors at first or whatever but um, because there's a lot of ifs there. It's like you bring them in and it's like, well, how much work are they doing? Are they doing the work that they're as much as adding as much value as we all kind of agreed on because it's all kind of messy because you're not actually paying them by the hour. They're kind of like partners in this and do they own, what percentage do they own? How much control do they have? I mean, there just seems like a lot of opportunity for messiness and confusion and unmet expectations and problems and failure. <laughs> That's my opinion. I say stay independent, stay in control, man. I mean, you've got this far. But you are totally not a team player, are you? I mean, you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to be on a team. I just, I just want to be a Yeah, so discount it, discount my advice. You can discount my opinion because you know the kind of person I am. But I've been involved in a lot of things, a lot of partnerships. And the more complicated it is, the the higher chance it's just going to be a big fat fail. It's like when you and I and uh, Mark and Taylor were going to try and do a little consulting, where it's just too many people, it was too unclear who was going to do what, and nothing happened, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's like if someone just said, "Hey, Justin, I'm going to buy ten uh, percent of Plugio for you know fifty thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars or something," and you're like, you know, you had a really clear, simple document that explained, it, and that would be pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. I would do something like that and and then use that money to hire the people or get the stuff done rather than creating all this messiness. Well, what I I mean the way that I kind of left it is uh well first of all we haven't we haven't really discussed it any further than just throwing it out there as a concept. Like just just something to brainstorm. You threw it out there. And I, I threw it out there, yeah. It's a mistake. Uh, but you, anyway. You think it's, you think that was because you're confusing matters. You're confusing matters. Now, now this whole thing like they were happy <laughs> To say, hey, Justin, we like what you do. We like the podcast. So we, we think we know you. We think you could do good work for us. Let's, let's come up with a contract and have you help us out with some stuff. Real well, simple. Well, we are, that's what we are going to do anyway. Right. I mean, so that's real clear. It's real simple, you know, and you make it happen. But now there's this whole other thing about like they're getting involved with. And I would be like, listen, here's what I would say. I mean, they could be the most amazing people in the world. They could be 37 signals themselves, you know. And I'm not saying there's nothing against them. It's just, the more people, the more complication, the bigger chance that you can have failure. And what I would say is with, withhold that or say, you know what, let's just get things going for a while. And if like six months down the road, you're like, these guys are amazing. The designers are amazing. The management's amazing. And come up with a very, very clear proposition of what you want from them and what they can do for you. And, and, and that's after you guys have established a great working rapport. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. That's kind of where I left yeah. it with them is to say – you know, we should work together for a few months and, and kind of uh, suss out the situation before we... But I wouldn't that. do it still. I still think it's a mistake. I think you're... <laughs> you're just, just, I, well, you're, you're a naysayer. 
Well, your desperation to like, I want to be on a team and I want to like have all these people. You're just so desperate to get back to that because I know you're just really like working in, in sort of brainstorming with people and managing a team and mentoring people. I know you love that, right? That's where you want to get. Well, isn't, isn't life about finding happiness, you know, doing something that makes you really what? happy versus just sitting on your own in a corner, working away on something and being lonely? Well, some people prefer that, right? Like Jeffrey Woodruff refers that, right? I was talking about, right? Some people prefer to this sort of like, I just want to do my thing and, and, and I don't want to have to deal with people issues. You are one of the people who say, I like dealing with people issues. I like being around people. I like collaborating and stuff. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. You should get there, but, but ensure that you get there in just the right way and you create the environment. If you build Plug You Up on your own and off its own steam, you can create the exact culture environment you want. It's just going to take you a couple years as opposed to a couple months. And I just say, you've done, you've already done the hard stuff. I would just say, push it the rest of the way on your own and push it over the top on your own. And then you can just kind of create this perfect little startup, uh, brainstorming, collaborative tech environment that you want. All right, Michael, well, if you're, if you're listening to this, I hope you don't get too depressed with uh, Jason's (laughs) advice here. He's probably like, I hate that, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I wish you told me that. I, yeah. oh, well, anyway, I'm just to be honest. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm sure they're great people. It's just you're because you know we there was someone startup girl was talking about how the startup idea and this company wanted to like you know invest in them, but then it was going to like sort of like take over and own part of it. And I was like, dude. <laughs> It's a rookie. It's like, it's like you just hope that everything is just going to wash away all your problems and everything's going to work out. And every time that, that's, that I've been involved in a situation where we, got, we started to get involved with a bigger company or they owned us or had some control or we had multiple people, it just, it just screwed things up. Yeah, it mm. just screwed it up. I mean, you might get lucky. It's, just, it's, like it's, not, it's not yes or no. It's just what's the probability. And I just think it's the, the, the high probability of screw up is too high. Well, I, I'm going to go with the, the, the main advice you have, which is um, work, with, work with them and see what the situation is. And if it's a good team and a good fit, then I think uh, something could happen. So that's Well, that's not my it. main advice. I'd say at le- wait at least six months as a, if you feel like you have to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, that, your advice is noted. Whether I, whether I listen to it or not is another question. You could disregard, obviously. <laughs> it's your company. You do your thing. Don't, you know, I, I have no control. <laughs> and I may be wrong. You know, you may look back and go, see, Jason, you're an idiot. Right, guys brought in, and now we just sold the company for $10 million. You know, <laughs> <laughs> have a nice life. But uh, that's, you know, I whatever. Anyway. All right. Okay, so now do you have anything you want to bring up? Okay, let's see. What else should we talk about? Um, you know, it's fun of interesting. Um, uh, you know, Curtis, I said Curtis was here working with me, and Curtis's primary directive from Travis, who's the CEO, at this point is to hire more engineers because they're trying to launch in a bunch of different cities in the upcoming year. And so I wrote a post, you know, just a quick Google Plus post saying, hey, you know, they're an awesome company, great people. They have a cool office south of market, San Francisco. They pay really competitively. They may make a big fat six-figure salary probably or something like that. You're going to have options and this company is going to take off. You're going to work with a lot of smart people in a cool environment. You know, if you're interested and you want to work on stuff like Node.js or Backbone or Python, Mongo, that stuff sounds cool to you, then, you know, let me know. It was like nothing. Like one guy's like, it was Dan, Dan Felipe. Is that, is that, is that, is that name right? He's like, he's like, yeah, do they have contractors? I do some contract work for them. I mean, it was nothing. That's amazing. 
I mean, it's like, I, don't we have like an employment problem in this country? I mean, this is a situation where like <laughs> nobody can get jobs. Like 20% of the people are unemployed. It's like, I mean, you talk about an awesome work environment. And- yeah, but the people that we talk to aren't out of work. The people that, that are in our circles, and I mean, literally Google Plus circles and in our listening circles, are, they're just not people who are out of work. They're, they're just a different kind of people. I guess so. I mean, you'd think that some would be like, working at like some, I mean, I'm sure they're smart and have experience and whatever, but they're, you could fear some are working at sort of like, you know, kind of mediocre companies or they're not that crazy. It's like, you know what, screw it. I'll move to San Francisco, get into the middle of the scene and go work at Uber for at the worst for a couple of years. I mean, that would be cool, right? Get paid a nice, I mean, you'd think that people would be like, that would be really exciting. I'm sort of surprised. I know that Alex from the UK would be interested in that. Well, Alex, where the hell are you? I mean, he's on Google Plus. I didn't hear anything from. Him. I don't. I just, <laughs> well, because he's moving over, and he's move, not moving over for another nine months or something. But uh, I mean, is it worth them starting a dialogue now? I mean, can can yeah. they can they do remote work? Will they take a remote worker? I think. Well, I don't. May, maybe not a remote worker, but I mean, it's like established contact. You know, I mean, Curtis is having a really hard time finding people. They're shocked at how hard it is to he, like Curtis is going to be going to like every Node.js Python you know, whatever, real-time web conference, speaking at conferences to try and get people interested in Uber and aware that they're, they're working on cutting-edge stuff. It's just, it's just sort of, it's just amazing. I would just think that, I don't know, I guess, uh, I don't know, <laughs> surprising. Yeah, I mean, there isn't too, uh, too much else to say about it other than... Oh, other than I'll say one of the, I do have one other thing. I always have one more thing to say. Go on. Go on. So he said, he said, yeah, the thing of the people that he talks to who are like, um, you know, real, the real sort of, you know, experienced sort of top-notch people, people who, who have sort of a name brand, who've written, you know, libraries that people know about or, you know, whatever it is. Like, they're all like, yeah, I really want to just get in early. You know, it's like, it's too late. Like, they already have 30 people. It's, it's like, they're too far along. Like, they, really? they want to be like a, a founder or, 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 you know, the part of the founding team. They're not interested in, in jumping on something that they just get some options in. And I think that's the, mi- the mindset that everyone feels like, I can always get a job somewhere. I can do consulting and I can always get a job somewhere, but I want to like, I want to sort of ring the bell and financially, right? That's weird. That, you know why that's so, so strange to me? Because a company like, well, a- any new company, when you're, when you're getting in early enough, there's a very, very high level of risk. And most people won't take those jobs because it's just too, it's just too much risk. You know, you, you, like I, I experienced that with, um, with, well, you know, right. When we were trying to get people in at that level, when we just had 250 grand funding and they were coming in at a very, very early stage, it was just really difficult to convince people to get to join. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't oh, know. So it's like, yeah. Oh, they only want to come in when it's really early, but they also only want to come in when it's proven to be a success. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, obviously, people want their cake and they eat it and eat it too. Anytime they can get that. I think what I think there's different couple of groups. I mean, there are some people who want to be part of the founding team, right? They're they're if they're going to do a startup, they're like, I want to be one of the first three or four people, right? And own own a big fat chunk of it and have a chance of really, you know, knocking getting, getting a payday. Yeah. And then if, and the other people were like, okay, well, if I'm not going to do that and I'm just going to get options and work somewhere, maybe they're thinking I just, you know, work, want to work at a really secure company, but those companies are usually hell to work for because they're so boring and so like ossified and, uh, that it just would be kind of mind numbing to work there. So I think somewhere like Uber where it's like, okay, you're going to get paid a competitive market rate. You're going to get paid well, right? And you're going to work with smart people and you're going to get options on top of that, which are still going to be worth a lot. So it's kind of like, you know, and maybe the options aren't going to make you a mega millionaire, but 
you know, after four years, it'll be worth a lot more if you, than if you had just been like doing consulting work or something. It's, in a way, you can see that that's sort of how the sparring hirals, the, the hiring spiral starts because it's like, you know, the people who would take that job maybe would be the ones who were looking for safety. But because they're like, okay, I'm coming in. Oh, I get a big salary. I get some options. I'm looking for safety. This company feels like a safe thing. But people who are looking for safety probably aren't what you want. Well, I, I think I think it's hard to make that kind of generalization because there are all kinds of different people. I mean, they're the. I mean, you're talking you're talking about somebody who's like 23 versus somebody who's like 33. Right. He's 33. You're married. You got a you know a baby or two. Maybe your wife is, you know, decided to be a full time mom, and all of a sudden it's all on you. Right. You could be yeah. a top notch guy, but you're just like, well, you know, I just I yeah, you know, it's I got to make true. That's just generalization. Right? Yeah. A whole different thing, you know. And some people just have different risk tolerances. Some people have. Maybe you bought a house and it's underwater and you're like, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta make a big chunk of change. I can't take a risk. It's not that you're not, a, you know, not that you're not confident in your abilities, but you, you know, that would just be like some, an example, right. Of something you're, 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 um, the amount of money that you got to make, your burn rate is too high to do it. Well, of course, that's where I'd say, okay, get the safe job and then build your bootstrap on the side. Yeah. Or something like that. But that would be the reason why they wouldn't take the the risky startup thing or something, I guess, but I don't know. But anyway, but so that said, anybody who, you know, you know, is interested in what I've talked about, the Uber, I mean, send me an email or leave a comment. They're definitely looking for people. It, it would be worth your time if you're thinking about it to at least have a conversation with Curtis. Cause he's a super, super cool guy. So, um, let's move on. Something else. Oh, okay. Go on. Well, I tell you what, I've, I've been driving the show for the last hour and 10. So, uh, feel free to bring something up. <laughs> I'll go. Okay. Um, so my birthday was on Friday, and happy for birthday, birth- twenty-seven, right? I am twenty-seven years old. Yeah, <laughs> I've been twenty-seven for what's it going on? Fourteen years now. <laughs> no, right. um, so we went out and saw. Um, uh, we went and got some sushi and saw Moneyball. Have you uh, heard of that movie? Is that with Brad Pitt? Yeah, yeah. No, I've, yeah. I've heard of it. I've seen it on on billboards around LA, but I haven't seen the movie. That was really good. It was really good, I thought. Um, really entertaining. I mean, even if you're not a baseball fan, I'm not a big baseball fan. I mean, Sandy, uh, my wife, is a big baseball fan, uh, sort of ironically, right? So she's the one who likes to watch the baseball. <laughs> I, I, like, walk out of the office, and I'm like, you know, baseball's on. I'm like, ah, screw it. <laughs> so what's so good about that, that movie, Moneyball? Well, you know, it, well, it was well-acted. It was a good story, you know, but it's about sabermetrics where they would use statistics to – pick players as opposed to just like uh, sort of more obvious traits. Well, the guy, you know, so there's sort of obvious numbers like, you know, what's his, their hit batting average or, or things like that. It was like, you know, what's their on-base percentage? You know, they have all these really sort of esoteric statistics. Yeah. And, they, and the story is about how they use those statistics to compete with the big teams that had way bigger budgets, like four or five times the size budget that the Oakland A's had to find these kind of diamonds in the rough, these sort of undervalued players uh-huh. and how they were able to compete. And it's a great story. So, but it's like with these ideas of like math, using the power of math, using the power of the geek mind to beat the system. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of um, the movie 21. Did you ever see that with uh, Kevin Spacey? Uh, uh, I didn't see the whole movie. I saw part of it. Yeah, so it's it's the same kind of thing, and I mean it's the same. It's a similar story, and this in the sense that it's like you know geeks take on the world. I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, Brad Pitt's character is obviously not a geek, but uh, Jonah Hill, who plays, he's normally plays really funny 
uh, parts played the part of the of the math geek in this and did they oh yeah yeah team. they they have a really great rapport it's really funny and uh, well done so but I was trying, I was sitting thinking it's like what are all like if you made a list of the sort of math takes on the world films you know what what would they be I mean other than beautiful um, mind. Yeah, I mean, it was about a geek topic for sure, but it really wasn't like, you know, math beats the system. I'm just wondering if there are any other ones. I mean, I was kind of thinking limitless is the power of brain power beating every, like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have all these other characteristics, but if you're like five times as smart as everyone else, you can, you can win every time. And that's sort of similar to like the uh, 20, the message in 21 and the message in uh, Moneyball. And I wonder if there are any others. I don't put you on the spot here, but um, anything comes to mind? Well, I mean, the kind of things I'm thinking about are like a lot of the movies where they have to do things like break codes. Like, wasn't there that movie called Enigma? Um, so that's Enigma. The, the, what was Enigma? Enigma is like the in the Second World War, they, yeah. they had to work out different math ciphers and things like that. Well, that, it was the Germans' uh, Enigma machine. It was an, their, yeah. their, their, uh, their encryption machine was called the Enigma machine. So, so isn't that maths winning the war? That was. I mean, I know. I know the fact that. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the uh, Bl- Bletchley Park, right? That was the code breaking um, uh, headquarters in uh, in Britain, and they yeah. they broke the German codes, the Nazi codes, and that was a key part of the whole winning the war because the U-boats, which was of the German uh, submarines, were just killing the Allies. I mean, these things were just wreaking havoc yeah. um, in the uh, in the Atlantic, and uh, after they broke the codes, they started to be able to. Um, to to intercept them and know where they were going to be and and all that kind of stuff. So, but there was a movie called Enigma. I think so. You know what? We there's there's something that we could ask our listeners to do. This listeners, thing. help us out. <laughs> I don't know why. Up. Why do you care about this? I mean, why why is it important? Why do you want to know? Why do I want to know? I don't. You always ask me that. Like, why is this important? I don't know. Like, it's interesting. I don't know. I find it interesting. <laughs> I was telling you about like was a few shows back, and I was like, "That's yeah. crazy." You you say you say you always ask that, but you always ask why. Like, why is like one of your biggest things? Yeah. No. Right. I always ask why, but you, you always like you know the one you would ask is well, why is it important to you to know that? Like, why do you find what I, I still find sort of surprising was we talked about. I brought up this article. Um, I don't know, it's maybe like three or four shows ago about how. The, uh, the 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 availability of cheap oil was going to limit um, GDP growth, world GDP growth. That there okay, was a, yeah. And I was how, like, why do you care about that? Like, why? <laughs> you don't care that the GDP may not grow at all? Like, economies have flattened out and could permanent recession or your repeated recessions? Like, that's not, you know... I mean, it's almost, I, it's almost like, so abstracted from my life. It's, it's like so far removed. And I know, I know that it, it has a massive impact on my life. Well, but, like three it, or four years from now, you're like, we've been in a recession for five years. Why has this happened? I'm like, yeah, do you remember? I know, but it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you just have to live through the recession anyway. I mean, it's not like you or I could do anything. It's just information that basically depresses us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what else? What else is it? That's true. You know, I was actually thinking about that too. The, um, you know, it's like, I, you, you'll, you'll, I'll be reading some stuff on like, you know, these various wars in Afghanistan, Iraq and Libya and everything else. And like, and then you'll see, we have some interview about some guys building some iPhone app and I was really excited about it. And you're like, these two things are going on at the same time. Like they completely like, you know, there could be a war going on and people are just completely, uh, sort of, uh, Disen, uh, disengaged from it. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't affect their lives, and it's just sort of interesting, right? That these two worlds exist, 
And these two, and, 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 and one is just completely, just completely unaware of the other. I mean, of course, there's an infinite number of these sort of worlds. Well, that's okay. Well, that's like it's something that always kind of makes me think, God, that's weird. Is like, you'll, you'll see these movies about World War II where Germans just started invading a place and the Jews were going to be going to the, to, to the Nazi camps, right? To the camps. Yep. And at the point that they invaded, the, the, like, it's, the Jews just had a choice. Do I stay in Paris right now or do I go? Some people right. chose to stay and some people chose to go. And it was just like, it, it's like their the fate. Director, like, what were you thinking? Yeah, their fate is just like, just, just a little flip of a decision. And it's such a massive change of direction in your life off such a tiny little flip of a decision. Well, you know, it happens with so many things, right? Like people start, you know, talking about we got to be careful because of like things like our growing debt or we have to be careful about, you know, our energy future with oil and that's limiting. And, 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 and people will talk about it's One group of people will talk about how important that is, that we need to pay attention. This is a big, big deal. And then the mainstream thought process is like, that's just another just, you know, uh, crazy, you know, uh, fringe person talking about that. And it's sometimes hard to differentiate, like who is freaking out about nothing and who's actually sounding alarm at something that's really important. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate the two, right? And until it's too late, right? You don't know, you know, because if you go on the web, you go on Reddit, (laughs) you're going to find people sounding alarm on like 150 other things, different things that you should be freaking, the world's going to come to end. All the time, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and like, you know, you talk to people on the left or the right and the center, and they all worry about different things that are just about to just ruin everything, right? Like, I, I don't know whether I've brought my friend up, but I have, the, I have a friend who has been predicting the end of the world for, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally for the last 25 years. And every time I meet him, he's always, he always tells me about, oh, you know, planet Nibiru is coming into the system and it's going to come past and we're going to have a pole shift and we're all going to die. Yeah, I've heard of that one too. And it's it's That's always that. something new, and it's like it's like this time I'm really serious. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I was, this time I was kind of serious, but this time I'm telling you, it's over this time. But it's it's a weird old way to live a life, like to to kind of have this have this kind of importance based around this death thing coming towards you. It's, yeah, like, but well, on I wonder the flip what the side, point is. someone's going to be right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, and everybody ignored him. I mean, it's like, like, you, you, know, like you, you spend your whole life worrying about dying, right? But then you kind of miss living. It's like uh, John Lennon has that fantastic line, uh, life's what happens while you're making other plans. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, the, 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 thing brought, the, the other little saying that, that popped in my head was like, you know, when you're talking about like the thing's about to end, but you don't know it. It's like, if you see a guy, there's like a comic strip and it shows a guy jumping off the side of a building and halfway down, he's fine. he's like, well, so far so good. <laughs> <laughs> Promise, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, uh, let's moving on. Next, okay, sure. Oh. Um, well, we should wrap this thing up in um, in uh, maybe ten minutes time. So, uh, have you got anything else? I got a couple, two, 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 two things. Okay, go on. One, one was uh, I asked this question on uh, on Google Plus is about you know virtual machines. Like, do I need to create a virtual machine instance for every application instance on App Ignite? I saw that question. Yeah, I, I could have I could have answered that. You could have asked me go that. Ahead, but anyway, hear, go on. Hear, I want to hear yours. Go, you go. Give me your. Uh, well, the first of all, if you ultimately did need virtual machines, I would recommend doing them through some kind of elastic process, such as a Rackspace virtual machine system, but. My, my first answer would be, you probably don't need virtual machines. You should focus on trying to maximize what you can get out of one machine. 
because even on one machine, you can do it in such a way that um, they don't need to be sharing the same database. But ideally, if you can get away with it, get it so that they're sharing the same database. But just basically try and maximize your economies of scale. Or, or not the same database, but the same um, in, in, you know, instance of, the, say, the, Yeah, the same, the same file system, basically, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's what and, I would say. I realized after think after asking the question, a lot of times you ask these questions, you realize after a few answers, you're like, God, I'm an idiot to ask, ask that question. So the, the the reason I asked it is that, so for App Ignite, anyone who generates an application, um, you know, they have their own, you know, sort of directory with all their, you know, PHP, HTML, CSS files, and then they have their own database and they have their own user that only has access to that database, that, that instant, that MySQL database, Right. Yeah. And but if I want it so that people can actually edit and upload PHP code, um, which I'm thinking now would probably be actually be a really good idea. Um, and also, if I'm generating this code client side and it gets pushed to the server, that's a safety issue unless I can keep people who upload code that from hurting any of the other application instances. So, like, I need to lock it down so that whatever you do. Whatever code you can upload, whatever code to your folder and do whatever you want in that folder, but you're constrained, right? You so can't that's like a, a Unix permissions level type thing, right? And I think that's all it comes down to, and I think that's something someone's referring to as like is jails. Uh, there's like different concepts, but I think I think that's right. I mean, the database thing is easy; that's already solved. The second yeah. thing is like if I write a PHP script that goes in an infinite loop or starts trying to race other directories, like you know, I need to be able to keep that from happening. But that's solved easily on all of your um, any web hoster on, right? Who has, you know, who, any, they're not using virtual machines. They're just yeah. saying, look, you know, you, you can run PHP, but you're only going to get an X amount of CPU time and you only have access to those directories. Well, yeah. I mean, like Unix dealt with that issue like 20 years ago. So, you know, it's totally in there in the permission systems. Yeah. So I, I, I asked the question without thinking about it thoroughly enough, but it did uh, start up a really nice thread of, uh, of discussion. On yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah. Because people kind of gradually work back. So, cause this, this is what was interesting is, this is a case of where the way you asked the question, you actually gave a solution. Right. right. You know, rather than kind of saying, well, how, how best to split up my users in, in, in the securest way? You, you, you kind of had the solution of saying, how do I use virtual machines? And so people gradually unraveled it back to what your real question was. And then they were like, hey, hey, just do this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I tried to clear, be clear in the beginning. I guess I wasn't that clear, which is like, this is this is a scenario. This is really what I'm trying to prevent. I mean, virtual machines, I kind of threw virtual machines in there because I thought maybe that had to do something that we would need virtual machines to lock things down. But then I realized that it's just like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. totally stupid and, and, and too much. So well, I, no, it's really- not, it's, I don't think it's totally stupid, but I mean, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's just another approach. I hey, mean, if I, th- I want to call myself stupid, let me call my... I think that would be good if, I can imagine a scenario where that would be good, if machines weren't so kind of big, the the, the virtual machines, if they were more like little tiny Java machines kind of things, Mm -hmm. you know, then 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 it wouldn't be such an issue. It's just because every disk image or machine image tends to have quite a lot associated with it. Yeah, and see, I've had I've had no experience using um, that that kind of stuff, so that's why I asked the question. I was sort of thinking there there could be some of this lightweight, you know, fence. It, you know, the virtual machine was work as sort of a fence that would limit CPU and disk usage and memory. Huh. And but it sounds like there's other ways that you can do that. Um, so anyway, but I do really appreciate everybody's um, response. I had some really uh, in depth responses. Riyadh was one of them, um, and there's a couple others who how, really. You know. How can someone follow you and me on Google Plus? What, what well, happens? 
well, if you go on Google Plus, you can just search. You go go into Google Plus. I mean, it's right. If you're in Gmail, just click on you know your name plus in the left hand corner, and it'll bring up Google Plus. You know, or you can type it in right. And if you go on there, you can like search for people. Just type in Jason Roberts, and it'll bring up my profile and just say follow or I add. Type in Justin Vincent. Circle. Yeah, type in Justin Vincent. Just type in Justin Vincent before you type in Jason Roberts. <laughs> this sucks. There's there's like five Justin Vincents that come up. Well, you'll see my face. It's the same picture we have on our stupid album art. Okay, so. I'm, I'm the good-looking Justin Vincent, so that's how you'll know me. Mm-hmm. I'll just look at Jason Roberts here. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving oh, there's it. six Jason Roberts. <laughs> yeah, man, there's like six in Pasadena. I mean, they're running, there's like one in every corner. Wow. Yeah, they're totally, it's too many. It's, I, have, I have a way too common of a name. But like, is, is there another, another way to get people, like where you can give a link, like, you know. If you Google- go to com. No, I mean. Google Plus people know, in general, like how do you ship? Oh, I was just say if you go to my website now on my sidebar, codisoperandi.com, you'll have uh, follow me. But in just general, how, well, I don't understand what you mean. Well, just like type- for, with Twitter, you go twitter.com forward slash Justin Vincent, right? What do oh, you do with Google? Like, Pl- uh, I don't know. Um, let me see. Um, if you go and type in, I just just type in Google Plus and just search for somebody because it's real names. You don't have handles, right? That's the whole, what's one of the big sort of controversies is that they're trying to prevent that, that sort of uh, fake personas, the, the, the right. side puppeting, the kind of, you know, bot stuff that you see happen on Twitter. And they, they're hmm. really trying to keep that from happening. They're more like Facebook, which is like you are a real person. And that, that they feel like will really limit down the, the spam and it will strengthen the sort of um, the community behavior. So like if, you know, there's, if, if people know, if you're a real person, anything you say is going to be tracked back to you, then you're not going to, you're going to be much less likely to act like a jerk, right? You're going to say really snarky things and say nasty stuff. But if you're a handle, no one can get back at you. You can just act like a jackhole and, uh, and it's just, there's no, there's no penalty. But if it's going to be associated for, with you forever, you're going to be real careful what you say. You're going to be very polite and respectful. And I think that's what they're trying to get at. I mean, the problem with Google Plus I'm finding is that People are just posting really interesting stuff. And when I look at it, it's definitely sucking up my day. Like James Altucher, because I'm following James Altucher and everything he posts, I just like get sucked into something. <laughs> yeah, you got to throttle Altucher because he does write good stuff, but he writes them every day. He might be like your daily Altucher, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's yeah. an interesting guy. And uh, I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, I like it because it's, it's, it's really interesting conversations. Like, you know, I know how, I get why people use Twitter. I, personally could never get into it because it just didn't fit i guess how my brain works mm. and i just like I, I couldn't i could look at the stream and like i don't know what the hell anyone's talking about i don't get it and then it was like the things that people were saying i don't really get what the value is but um you know google plus it's it, it, it um i don't know a little more clear so i'm gonna make a big effort i mean i'm really well, gonna push on this for the next six months and you've convinced me and i'm gonna try and get into it as well so yeah well i you know i think it's um Oh, it's it's just great. So it's uh, you can make your in because a lot a lot of our listeners I've noticed I keep seeing like Philip Monet and uh, and um, Riyadh and I, I don't know I'm just seeing a lot of people and I'm hoping to see some of the other people that we've um, uh, that we've uh, had in the comment section jump on. I'm hoping mm-hmm. we could. I'd like it if like most of our texting listeners were on Google Plus. Maybe we should just maybe we, like could, can you create like a public circle like a texting circle and then everyone mm-hmm. can just be part of that. Yeah, well, you add your, you add them to your, like, so you, you add, add them to your circle. There, they, there can't be like a public circle created that no. I can then follow. No, it's not like you can create things like that. They're trying to get away from stuff like that, real people. But you know, if you follow either you or me, we're going to be talking about the things that we talk about on the show. We're going to talk about Andy Fu and App Ignite and the sh- and Tech Zing and Plugio and you know stuff like that. So you know, and then of course, you know, 
uh, other stuff that we're thinking about. So, hmm. but uh, one of the things, one, uh, one last thing I want to close with, and this, I'll make this quick, is I was thinking, I was trying to figure out like what I should write. I, I wrote a, I posted uh, something that says, all right, I got five, I got ideas for five different, you know, blog posts, like big ones. What should I write about? And I got a lot of comments back. I, I'm trying to remember what the number was, but it was like, you know, I don't know, 20 or how many? Let's see here. I got uh, 24 comments of suggestions on what I should write. And it was like a complete random spread. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, uh, you know, some were more about startup stuff. Some was more about technical stuff. Um, you know, one was like notes on predicting the market with neural networks. You know, there are a few people who thought that'd be awesome. But there's a lot of people like, I have no interest in that, you know. And then I had stuff that was like, you know, I was going to actually write a formal post about that, uh, that sort of topic we, we covered a, I don't know, a couple months ago called What It Takes to Become Entry-Level Rich. Mm-hmm. I thought I could really fill that out and make that fun to read. Um, so there's a group of people who think that would be great. So the reality is that you'd almost it's have to do a cluster analysis. It's like I have yeah. different clusters, just like you have pl- different Plagio user types. I have, I have friends of mine who are just startup interested. There's just startups. I have people who are just really interested in, in like uh, writing code. I have people who are just more interested in just, what are, and just general interesting, like the entry level rich thing. Yeah, you just need to create silos, like circles. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the reality is, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm just going to write. Just I, I would just focus on what you're most passionate about and put that yeah. out first in that order. I'll probably hit most of those, um, but it would, it, it, it's, you know, it's worth doing it once in a while because you get some ideas. And, you know, I think I'm going to try and stick to story form a lot because I think that people, I, I, I can do it pretty well, I think, and I think people enjoy reading those. So I'm going to try and stick to that. But the one last thing I want to say about it was interesting. So the whole thing, the whole article about, you know, why I quit algorithmic trading, it got, a couple of things happened. Now I get tons of emails asking me questions about it. Right. <laughs> like, why I quit it? And I was like, well, I want to get into it. Tell me how to get into it. What do I need to read? What do I need to do? I'm like, didn't I just tell you I left? You know? <laughs> but then the other problem, the other ironic thing is now I'm thinking about it a lot because I'm thinking about answering their questions. Oh, like, no. Now you're I, thinking about, no, don't, don't, don't follow that. That, that well, I, is a I'm rabbit not, hole. And you've already got any food. You've already got Apple well, Night. You've already just, got two no, clients. Yeah, I was just going to write a you know blog post on. That's why I was about that that one about predicting with neural nets or something. I mean, I might write something simpler, but it was just funny because uh, you know, a guy emails me he's like, hey, you know, I I'm I, I'm using a neural net and it won't con- to, pr- to predict like currency prices and I'm having problem convert getting it to converge. Can you give me some advice? <laughs> Don't like- get too distracted. I really need you to start pushing on any food this week. So by th- by this time next week, we need some some good functionality working there, and I, and I'm happy to plug in the. Um, the, the payment, the payment stuff, yeah, yeah. No, we'll make we'll make good progress. I am, um, okay. I, I, I'm not going to get distracted, <laughs> by that. but I just, it was funny that it did that. You know, yeah. um, it's All the right. So, so before we sign off, I just want to remind people that on Tuesday, 10 a.m. PST, <laughs> this coming Tuesday, I will be posting a blog a blog post to Hacker News, maximizing revenue through magic levers and three dimensional pricing plans. Please vote it up because I'd love it to uh, to be a bell ringer. Well, if it goes into the abyss, we're going to have to hear you complain about it all next That's week. That's right. So yeah. if you want to avoid like a 15-minute like, <laughs> you know, sob fest about uh, the, the blog post that wasn't, then you better be there to have a vote that sucker. <laughs> all yeah. right. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap. We're out. We're out.